Hello and welcome to the OBH podcast. I am your host Brian Middleton, almost no, also known as almost known as <laughs> also known as the bearded behaviorist. Uh, today we have Mich- uh, Natasha Bouchelon uh, coming on to the podcast to talk to us a little about art and behavior analysis, specifically incorporating art into behavior analysis and vice versa. Welcome, Natasha. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. And thank you for having me, by the way. Yeah. So I am, I've been a behavior analyst for, gosh, I think about three years now. I'm losing track of time. I've been in the field since 2015. But before that, um, I was a full-time working artist for about 15 plus years. I, I started the my art career around the time my youngest was about two months old. I have two boys. They're now 17 and 18, and they are both on the autism spectrum. Um, My family is very artistic. I thought that as a child, I was going to get to work for Disney Animation Studios, and that was my goal. I I sent them a letter when I was about nine years old, hoping that they would uh, give me a job. (laughs) And so they were very generous enough to send me a letter with like information on um, criteria for meeting their requirements to show their my portfolio eventually after university. So um, I spent the next years of my life working towards that. I mainly self-taught artists, but I did go to um, college for a brief time for graphic design and animation. When my youngest was two months old, I decided to um, stay at home. We were starting to see, you know, signs and, and symptoms of his his diagnosis. And I really wanted to be there to help him get through that, try to find some solutions. And of course, at the time, this is about 2003, 2004. And so there wasn't a whole lot of resources out there. Um, But I tried to make that work and I was home for him. And it wasn't until maybe 2012, 2013, I think this is before the insurance mandate in Michigan occurred for us to to actually provide ABA at a wider scale. Um, I decided to go back to school. They were about eight or nine years old. And I thought I was going to be an art teacher. (laughs) This was going to be the way I was going to impact lives. I was going to do something on top of, you know, already having this art career. I had been able to, you know, travel around the country, um, work with television and film with my art. I've been able to do these, these events where I was teaching art, right. As, as the, the guest artist or whatnot, um, and speaking at conferences and, and doing workshops and all these things. But I really wanted to be able to do this, like, daily. So my excitement to do this led me to going back to school. And I swear everyone has the same story. They, they have the psych one-on-one class and they hear that their professor or their instructor has worked with kids in the autism spectrum. And as I was saying before, at the time I was blown away for two reasons. Number one, as a mom of kids on the spectrum, I did not understand why I'd never heard of ABA. Um, and secondly, I really, really wanted to know what this was because this sounded fascinating. Um, it wasn't too long after that. I did a lot of research. I found my first tech job. Um, this is back in 2015 and I was blown away by it. I was absolutely in love with the science. I wanted to know more and that's how I ended up falling into the field essentially. Awesome. And, uh, 
so how long did you work as a, a behavior technician? Let's see, I think about three, let's see, yeah, three, four, oh my goodness, four years. I think it was 2019 I started working as, I was a QBHP, um, and then 2020 was when I officially was in the um, certified behavior analyst role. Okay, awesome. Um, so in your experience with ABA, it sounds like you started seeing I'm going to put some words in your mouth and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, you started seeing how art and ABA can work together. Um, as as a amateur artist, I, I, I love art of all varieties from from the linguistics to the the illustration um, style. Uh, I see that pretty regularly as well. Um, what led to you thinking art curriculum? I guess it was a really long path towards that because initially when I got into the field, one of the things I started was um, I started Alchemy Behavior. So this is a site where I wanted to just provide some cue. Again, it's funny. It's kind of going off of um, what we discussed a little bit earlier, some punny t-shirts, but behavior analytic. And I had seen that there was stuff out there and I liked the idea of disseminating the science and getting it out there to more people because I didn't want to be the only person who would end up being shocked and or even disappointed. They didn't know that this existed. So I wanted to create some stuff to put out there that was um, really fun and different than what has been made available. And that kind of grew from there. Um, I really was interested in seeing how I could not just do that myself, but help empower other people that were in the field who had these other skills and um, interest to disseminate the science themselves. And that's where it really initially began. Um, ended up being that wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, but I worked with that for the next three years, um, providing training, just free, just putting out the value out there for people, trying to help them figure out how to use the internet the way that I did um, to produce their own content, to produce their own um, services, whatever that was, um, to try to help get the science out there. But really was um, part, I guess, really, as when I started as a behavior analyst, I really wanted to figure out how I could utilize it with my own clients. I, I began to have a lot of clients who were creative or they wanted to express themselves, but they couldn't do that. And a lot of the programming and the curriculums that we had been using or my supervisors were using weren't necessarily as, what is the word I'm looking for? I guess as um, flexible and creative as I was needing it to be for these clients. So yeah. when I began to work with some of these kids, I started incorporating art in some form, whether that was just as their, their reinforcement or as part of the programming. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that there are a lot of, of curriculums and approaches that are very rigid. Um, and, and unfortunately, I think that the bad name that behavior analysis gets is because of that rigidity, which is really funny because one of the biggest things we work on when we're working with um, autism spectrum disorder clients is, is addressing that rigidity and helping work on flex flexibility. And yet uh, behavior analysts are pretty flexible, uh, pretty inflexible and rigid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
not not all of them. I, I know quite a few right, who are right. very. I'm not saying it's a. It, it, <laughs> but but it's just I find it very funny. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah. And and one of the things that that I think that is incredibly human. Um, well, there's two things that are very human. Um, so I, I forget who said this, but it was a, a paleontologist who, um, when asked when human civilization first occurred, where, when did civilization first start? And she pointed to a femur that was broken and had healed. And, and she pointed to that and said, this person, this ancestor of ours was, was hurt in a way that could not easily be healed. And the people around that person sacrificed bringing food and keeping this person safe so that they could heal and recover. And that's, that's step one to civilization. And I would argue that step two is art. That art is incredibly important to who we are as a civilization. And it, and it hurts my heart to see the number of the ways that we undervalue artists because it to art to do art is so human and so whenever I go work with an artist I am I'm very quick to first offer to pay up front or at least put a put down some money up front especially after I've seen their portfolio <laughs> and uh and two um if they're undervaluing themselves I say Okay, so you're saying 20 bucks for this work. Okay, here's 50. Right. Because we need to we need to reinforce the value of art and and the quality of it. And I and I feel like not only is is art wonderful for its own sake, but from kind of an act slash trying to do some mental health mindful like characteristics i've noticed that art for me and for others is a wonderful way of, of getting into the present moment of being able to process things and and get things out so i i feel like it's something that we need to cultivate in our in our society um, yeah, a lot more right yeah and that's that's the thing i'm i'm seeing too especially through my own kids right they they were struggling to relate to other people. They were struggling to express themselves in other ways. And one of the things that we had found as, as a family was creating art gave them this, this vessel, not vessel, sorry, this, um, this tool to do those things. Um, and I've seen my kids thrive being able to do that. Um, being able to express themselves creatively has been huge for them. And I feel like it indirectly as well provided them a way to kind of make these connections that they weren't able to make through any other way, through school, through typical academic learning. And that's the thing I thought about when I began doing the research and kind of diving in, trying to find out what's going on in our field, what's going on in psychology outside of like the typical use for art, like in art therapy or psychotherapy, what are we doing to use this for kids who aren't able to communicate or express themselves? And it, it, I, I feel like, sorry, I'm losing track of my thoughts on this. Um, That's okay. 
<laughs> it starts, I started drifting. I got like shiny object syndrome. Um, <laughs> I do the I, same thing. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I feel like we aren't totally um, utilizing that, the power of art in that way, um, yeah. especially in ABA. Um, it, like you were saying, I think it's funny how many people I've met in this field are very creative individuals. They end up being some of the best teachers in our field um, and technicians. And I, I, I want to be able to see them cultivate that because the kids respond so much to that. And I don't know why we don't make it more fun. And I'm glad to see that our field is going in that direction. We're starting to understand that we don't have to use these old school methods where we're forcing our kids to do stuff they don't want to do, or we're, we're insisting that we have to do it in this little box, this structured box. And I, I do every once in a while come across to other people in our field where I, I literally don't understand why they're, they're in this in this practice they don't have that that twinkle they don't have that passion for it and I want to see that like really grow in our field and, and see us promoting these things and these practices um yeah um, and I, I think that one of the big critiques that um that people who are critical of behavior analysis have if you read between the lines, because it's kind of hard to read it. It's it, it really hard to read it, especially if you love the field, um, like it sounds like you love it and, and like I love it um, and love the science specifically. Um, but one of the biggest critiques that kind of bleeds through uh, between the lines is this lack of humanity that comes yes. through. And, and it's, it's, really, it's really painful to see that. Um, it's painful to see people who exemplify that when it happens. Um, although I think part of their, we have to also look at people in their context. So probably they're in there, they're behaving like that because they're in a regimented situa situation or that their employers that way. And so there's that rigidity that's kind of built in because that's where the funding source is coming from. We have to be rigid. And, um, and at the same time, I see people like my boss who is is very structured, very organized. Oh man, she makes <laughs> she. Uh, I just wa love watching her do her thing and being like, I wish I could bottle this. I'm working on being as organized and structured, but also so creative. Mm. Like and and like just working with this person and and watching this creativity is helping me to tap back into that creativity that at times I've I've kind of lost because I'm a little bit overanalyzing. Um, but at the same time, I feel like art, it, art is by its very nature analytical. Um, it's also very creative. So it's, I think it's, it's a perfect pairing with ABA because on one hand, you have to know how the paint or the, or the medium goes onto the canvas or interacts with the things. And you have to be familiar with that, but also you have to be a little bit spontaneous, which is exactly what it's like working with a kid. Um, perfect example today, uh, because we had a, a, a technician out sick, um, I was put on direct, was not sad about it. I was actually planning on supervising that client that day. So I was like, yay, I get to be with direct with this kiddo. And 
we've been working on um, mindfulness-like activities, breathing, um, body scanning, uh, mindful eating, things like that, uh, to, to try to help this, this little one um, around the age of eight or nine uh, tap into awareness and being contact in the present moment and not living so much in the future or in the past, those sorts of things, self-management skills, basically, while also working on social skills and, and toleration skills, things like that. And I observed a session uh, a couple weeks back and noted that the session had turned into like whenever mindfulness related activities came up, it was punishing for this kiddo. And it, it had actually been paired with punishment. So there was a lot of resistance and aversion to it. So one, I went out and got hot cocoa and we did hot cocoa breathing with hot cocoa. Okay. So being creative there, but two, today, I, like we've been doing that for the last couple of weeks. So it's less punishing. It's a little bit more reinforcing. It's like, oh, I can get hot cocoa out of this deal. Um, but today I was just like, I want to turn this into a quest, an adventure. We're going to run around and we're going to do stuff. And oh, he has to do hot cocoa breathing to be able to open the door because there's a lock on it that only deep breathing can do. And we're going to do a body scan right here, or he's going to stand behind this window with this plexiglass and I'm going to do a body scan. And then we're going to do lazy eight or elephant breathing where he gets to carry, hold a marker and put it up to his nose and, and draw a lazy eight while he's breathing in and out and stuff like that. And <laughs> like it, that creativity took something that previously had been aversive because the way it had been presented, and it's partly my fault that it was presented that way because I didn't do a good job training my staff. I fixed that, <laughs> but <laughs> like there's the accountability on me. Um, but part of, uh, so something was aversive because of how it was being presented. We changed the way it's presented. We make it interesting and fun and artistic and, and, and engaging. And why can't we, do this with with all the stuff that we do we gamify right. it we we make it art beautiful right um, so when i when i see your your curriculum canvas aba and i go wait it's it's a behavior analytic art curriculum yeah <laughs> over here squeeing and shaking my fist with <laughs> happiness and joy <laughs> that's awesome doing the cheese grummet move <laughs> Yeah, and that's, a, that's another thing I thought about that I kept in mind when I created the curriculums. I wanted to, I feel like as a field, a lot of us overanalyze what we're doing with our kids and we're, we're thinking a little too hard about how structured it has to be and what does it have to look like and what kind of data are we collecting? How are we collecting that data? And uh, some of us are still stuck in like the old school ABA area where everything was DTT in one little room and you didn't divert from the table <laughs> without a break card, of course. And it, it, just, that's it, not punishing. I know, right? And it just kills me. And, and one of the things I thought about when I structured this was I really wanted to make it not just um, something that's going to be obviously fun and reinforcing for the kids, but something that gives those those the staff members the I don't know, kind of like the okay, like the the tools and and the organization so that they can execute it 
and they can kind of get themselves in that mental state because I'm, I'm sure for those of us who might not be naturally creative themselves as a technician or a behavior analyst, this is really hard to even consider, right? So I, I wanted to make sure that this was a system that helped kind of give them the push, the nudge to, to get more creative themselves, creative in the way that they, they implement ABA, in the way that they um, work with their kids and connect with them. I wanted it to be something that um, humanizes the experience more. Obviously, I want them to feel like they are having fun and they are building something that is valuable on a level we can't really we can't really target and and analyze and um, measure. But it still obviously has all those things, <laughs> and therefore those of us who have to have that that structure. Um, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And well, th this is one of the things that, that, that gets my goat a little bit, um, culturally, it's a big cultural thing. Um, this assumption that one is born artistic. Um, certainly there's, there's people who have more predilection or talent towards it. Um, it, maybe it's, something that they were indeed born with, or maybe it was something that had to do with the environment, or maybe as is more likely a combination of those. Like, for example, um, my, my brother-in-law is insanely gifted as an artist and his father is, and all of his siblings are. And I will tell you right now that my nieces uh, and nephew are, whoa, just, I, I don't know how they could be so good at, you know, like, one of my nieces drew something at the age of, I think it was nine. And um, I know a lot of artists, I was going to school at the time, and was friends with quite a few people who were in, in a, an arts program and, and her work was better than some of the students who were almost ready to graduate <laughs> that I know. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. But the flip side of that is like, yeah, yeah, there might be a predisposition, but at the same time, they were also living in an environment where, where being artistic was cultivated and where it was encouraged. And yeah, there's, when it comes to things like music, if, if you don't have the right voice, then you're not going to be an opera singer or something like that. You know, that's, that's something you can't control, but the lead singer of Smashing Pumpkins has proven that you can be a famous singer and have a really crappy voice. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like if anything, his voice in combination with the music that they created is what made the music so good. So his voice isn't Absolutely. actually crappy. It's actually right. like it, it's it's uh, harmonious. Yeah. It, 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 why is it that we have this this attitude that somehow you, you have to be born with it? And when it comes to behavior behavior come on people we're talking about behavior and we're talking about humans in relation to behavior uh humans are so flexible in fact when it comes to relational frame theory and what we're discovering with that um we're, we're probably one of the more flexible species out there when it comes to behavior so we can use art to we can teach art to people people can learn the skill um one of my good friends brian heritage is an amazingly talented artist but he's not actually talented because I saw his early stuff and he is so critical of his own work. It's insane how critical mm. of his own work is. Cause I look at, it, I'm like, that's pretty good. And he's like, yeah, it's crap. And I'm like, <laughs> but 
but dude, it's really good. And he's like, yeah, but look at this. And then I go, oh yeah, that's way better. And, and, <laughs> and he had to, he had to work for it. He really had to work for it, but he accomplished it. And yeah. some of the, some of the artists that I know that are, were teachers, um, uh, one of them was uh, actually the art director for Wizards of the Coast, Magic, Magic the Gathering. And he, he became a professor uh, at the university I went to, and, and I happened to get to know him um, due to other people I knew knowing him. I, like, I, I was an education major. I'm, I, wasn't, I was awesome. just hanging out with my artists. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, him doing such a beautiful job of, of creating um, task analyses, basically, of how to do art helps so many people obtain those skills. And so, yeah, anyways, that's, that's my rant about art and, and people <laughs> supposedly being born with it yet, yet we can learn it. So, oh my gosh, I can relate to that so much. I, I, I try to tell this to all my kids that I work with and my own kids. It's, it's absolutely practice. I started tracing things as a kid and I did that for years before I even could draw. And then I would draw for years, the same subject over and over every day for years. And, you uh, know, it's. It's just, it's, you don't have to be born with that. Number one, number two, there's this other com component about it as well, that interest in art, being able to enjoy the things around you. And we're surrounded by it every day. We've got art in our rooms. The very vehicles we're driving were created by a designer. The, the electronics we're using, the shows we're watching, the cartoons we watch. Um, it's amazing how surrounded we truly are by art and being able to even build the interest in that and in the practice of it is so beneficial even if you couldn't ever for the you know the next 80 years of your life be able to draw at least you are enjoying it and it's it's providing something extremely valuable to you you know even on a personal level so that's like my mission to help people get to that point where they are are comfortable doing it, where they enjoy it, where they could really um, engage with other people that are also interested in it. It's, it creates this whole big world. It's like a behavioral cusp to everything else. Um, and so, yeah, I totally relate to what you're saying on that. Well, and uh, on the topic of tracing, um, I know multiple professional artists who make all their money from art who still trace. <laughs> so... Yeah. It, yeah. Like some people are like, well, that's cheating. And I'm like, is it? Is right. it cheating? Like, oh my you're, goodness. You're making art. <laughs> <laughs> like there, there's one person I know who has an actual projector where he lays an object or, or, or on it and it projects onto the paper so that he can get the outline just right. And then he freehands the rest of it. Um, I, I know another artist who, uh, used to draw for DC comic. Nice. Um, it worked on Batman, Superman, Harley oh. Quinn, like a lot of, a lot of, uh, and, and I believe also worked for Marvel for a while, right. um, like professional artists, like a person who's everything is art uh, for this person and just sitting and watching him work. I, I had that privilege once and just to, to watch the speed 
and the fluency that was involved, but also being able to having watched so many artists and no, I'm not technically gifted or talent. No, talent and gift are wrong. <laughs> skilled. I'm not technically skilled like they are, but to know what the technical things that they're doing is going on because I've just observed and learned and be like, oh, wow, this is amazing. This is this is incredibly impressive. Just like watching somebody play a flute or a violin, which are, again, lots of skill, lots of practice, lots of DTT. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But because it, because it creates a behavior chain, um, it's, it's very reinforcing. Um, I like to joke or jokingly say my favorite form of DTT is video games. I'm going to go home and play, do some DTT for an hour or two. Uh, <laughs> and, and, that's, I think, where the big disconnect between behavior analysis being applied um, to help our clients, and it doesn't have to be autism spectrum disorder clients, it can be anybody, but right. we, need to, we need to incorporate that artistic part into it so that um, to give to wax a bit poetic, to allow the soul to flourish, flourish and grow. Absolutely. And I know you can't operationally define soul, but <laughs> come on, people, let's have a little artistry here. It's okay. It's okay Absolutely. to embrace artistry. Absolutely. And that's the thing too. I, I didn't package it so much just to our kids that are, you know, um, on the autism spectrum. I, it's really for everyone. Um, anyone Wonderful. can use that. And I, I've made it so that even, you know, in the classroom, a teacher can implement this. It's not the same as obviously an art educational um, program <clears throat> per se. It's very strategic and systematic in how it helps cultivate their creativity than anything else. So it's it's meant to be used with any kid, any kid who's struggling with that um, psychological flexibility, any kid who is struggling with self-expression and, and, and being able to build those coping mechanisms. Art is a coping mechanism. Like, you know, I was talking about earlier, it could be some, so many things to kids. And ultimately that's, that's what I wanted to be able to provide with this. So really, this should be a, probably another one of my crossover episodes for Act Natural and uh, Behave because I, I noted uh, you mentioned psychological flexibility, and that's incorporated in, um, for those who, if you've listened this far and you haven't figured this out, I'm sorry if you're not paying good attention, but uh, for those who aren't aware of it, uh, Act Acceptance Commitment Therapy or Training uh, is a application of relational frame theory, which is a behavior experimental behavior analysis theory that continues on the work of B.F. Skinner's verbal operants. Um, and uh, it, it's also been linked to major mental health benefits. Um, and because it, uh, ACT can be both a psychotherapy therapy, as well as can be taught as skills, um, the scope of practice for ACT for behavior analysts is in self-management skills. Um, now, if somebody wants to get counseling in utilizing ACT, you should look for a cognitive therapist or a dialectical behavioral therapist, although I think it's mostly cognitive therapists who are, tend to be ACT skilled um, because there is a psychoanalytic component to it. 
Um, but our scope is learn the skill, teach the skill, because nothing is beha as behavior analytic as self-management. So, Absolutely. Okay, so a um, little bit of specifics, I'm curious. Uh, I noted on your website that you can download the starter kit for free. Yes. Um, that's super cool. I love it. Um, if somebody wanted to dive deeper into using this curriculum, um, what what would the cost look like? What would implementation look like? What are what are some things that that the individual would need or or organization need to do to be able to start using this in their sure. center or or practice? Um, so the plans are so um, to kind of give a little. I'm trying not to give too much away because, um, okay. uh, <laughs> but I'll I'll try to give you some ideas because whatever's in the starter kit, I can tell you. Okay. <laughs> um, but I've been working really closely with Mark Dixon, who's obviously everyone, if they don't know, he's the creator of the Peak Program and AIM. Um, okay. So he works very heavily in relational frame theory and acceptance and commitment therapy um, modalities for treatment. And so we've been working very closely on developing the program to be able to be run um, that way and in different settings. Um, so what it would entail, and we're hoping to do a preview of this for everyone, just a free, like a live stream. I'm not sure when that okay. is. I wish I knew. Hopefully I'll hear soon. <laughs> so this um, is so really can... new. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we're, we're gearing for it to be released this summer. So it's, it's, pre it's happening pretty fast right now. We've been working on it for the last um, six months on a weekly basis and the development of it essentially has been being worked on for the last year um, in total. So we're hoping to get a good preview for everyone to show kind of like how it works and um, what the data collection looks like, what the programming looks like, how does assessment work, which is a really fun one. I can't wait to dig oh, yeah. into that. Um, but what's cool is I've, I've made it so that anyone can run it. If you, if you got the book today, you would be able to start implementing it tomorrow. Honestly, I've, I've provided a lot of um, guidance on how to, I mean, the background on art as behavior, obviously everything's behavior, but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, art as behavior, the the science behind it, what we know right now, as far as like um, research and studies in even behavior analysis um, and in psychology, I, I make a lot of um, references to some of Francis Mechner's work. I don't know if you know um, much about this guy, <laughs> but he's like, artistic genius and he's a experimental psych um behavior analytic scientist oh, so wow. he does a lot of research on what we call aesthetic behavior so aesthetic huh. behavior being the implementation and the essentially the enjoyment of the arts it's fascinating he's actually operationally defined all these areas of it uh, kind of as a theory and there's a lot of stuff that's been put out like Maria Malop um, puts a lot of research out on cultural analysis is, is what she calls it and she refers to the fine arts and cultural arts these kind of things but no one has really like implemented these theories yet or tested them so that's the ultimate goal with this program is not just the implementation we're going to work on getting some data on this but um if anyone were to, to start today, they could immediately just grab the book. I am going to provide some training, okay. um, some further just support on um, understanding, especially for anyone who might have zero 
um, art experience of any kind. I hope, I mean, if you've been drawing in elementary school, you have some experience. <laughs> so I didn't make it that simple. Um, and then I'm going to provide some video demos. So we're working on creating demos of all the art lessons, um, demos of implementing the assessment, how we score that, how we track the data, how we track creativity. Because again, it's a very subjective thing, but we're really, really trying to define like how we're going to track the skills, how we're going to track that we're actually seeing some flexibility increase. We're seeing um, the expansion of their creativity. Uh, so in a behavior an analytic form, I'm hoping within the next month or two, we'll have more um, information on well, what that will be. Sounds like what I need to do is <laughs> wait until just before you guys release it so I can put the <laughs> podcast out so people can go out and buy it and, and be aware of it. I'm, and I'm, I'm a okay with, with, uh, holding on to this recording. Cause it's, it's mid June folks. If you, if you're listening, I'm okay with holding <laughs> off until I think your website said August. August is the, uh, we're gearing for that as the publication date. We're going to start really pushing um, for pre-sales July 1st. So okay. I think that by the end of June, we'll have an idea of like when we're going to start okay. um, cool. sharing more info. Yeah. Do you have a general price point on the curriculum itself? Uh, any idea what that's going to be? Or is that is that telling right now? Has that not been figured um, out yet? We still aren't entirely sure. It's a pretty hefty book right now. We're looking at like 300 <laughs> some pages wow. um, and we're trying to keep most of it on the website. It just keeps increasing, but um, we're trying to keep it affordable. So not entirely sure the exact price point yet, but. Okay. Well, that's awesome. And uh, just so you folks know, I'm, I'm looking at the website and under read further on uh, um, what was it? Uh, canvasaba.com if you go to read further um, there's a whole list of research that's just shared relating to these things so when you mentioned um, did you say it was um, Mechner yeah Francis yeah. Mechner mm -hmm. Francis Mechner I I, uh, I looked it up and I was like oh there's two studies cool I get to so reading for later <laughs> Reading for later. <laughs> His story is really cool. He's, um, uh, I forget what level of uh, musician, like classical musical artist of various instruments. He um, is a fine artist as well and an experimental like scientist doing these studies. It's fascinating. His son, um, since you brought up video games, his son had created um, Prince of Persia. Like the original side scroller, or yeah, oh yeah, man, I love oh that. yeah. This guy also invented closed captioning, Francis Mechner. Oh wow! So he's also an inventor. I forgot that part. This guy's like a genius, but um, it's amazing that this is actually a behavior analytic. <laughs> that makes me super happy. I, yeah. I, I especially love the original side scroller, Prince of Persia, because that was probably my first exposure to act-like yeah. thinking. Oh. Um, the Spoiler alert for anybody who's not played the side scroller and wants to play it. Uh, so this is your time to skip forward by about a minute. Uh, <laughs> but the very last fight before you get to the end, you come up to a mirror and you're playing, you're controlling a little side scroller prince 
and out, out of the mirror steps your mirror image self. And it's the hardest fight of the game. And if you succeed at getting that little mirror person three times in a row, you die. And the only way that you can win is if you put away your sword. Wow. I don't remember that part. That's and then amazing. You have to, and then you step into each other and you combine and then you can move forward. Oh and, gosh. and I was just like, that is so, that, that is such a beautiful act metaphor. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I don't remember that. That's I, so cool. I, there was very few games I was allowed to play as a kid and Prince of Persia was one of them. <laughs> I have no idea why, because it was swords. But <laughs> <laughs> DuckTales from Prince of Persia. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I remember DuckTales. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Find me that pink elephant. That was the best. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Well, awesome. Um, For those people who want to just start utilizing art in in their practice, um, let's say that, you know, they can't get the book quite yet because we're releasing this hopefully before the right when the pre-sale is happening. What are some things um, that you recommend that whether you be an RBT or a BCBA that that our listeners do to start incorporating creativity and art into, into practice. Definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it really could be a natural process. Just look at and identify what are these skills that you're working on with your child and how can you apply them in some more fun, creative way like you were saying earlier playing pretend is a huge component of it um we don't have to do our our fine motor skills and our um social skills and these old rigid ideas they don't have to always work with blocks and putting pipe cleaners in a cup or or like uh passing a ball to another kid, it can be done with art. It can be done with holding a paintbrush. It can be done by playing pretend like you're, you're going through a a jungle, you know, you can make these scenarios and, and create these opportunities very easily uh, right now with whatever it is that you are working on. It's not going against our guidelines of behavior analysis. I think people overanalyze again, like how they're implementing it. It doesn't have to be at the table. It can be at an easel. It can be on the floor. It can be outside. I've done ABA in a swimming pool. (laughs) Like just think about how, what you're specifically targeting and then see how you can apply that to something entirely different. It doesn't have to be in this ideal uh, scenario or setting that you've, you know, been trained in, in your, your center or your clinic or in home. Um, And then also remembering that it's flexible. If it doesn't work, try something else. If the, if the client, the child is just not interested, find out what they're interested in. I'm sure that the majority of kids that you work with have something they like to do that is creative, but learning how you can cultivate that now, um, becoming uh, a reinforcing experience for them is the key part of that. So yeah, really just try different things, run those preference assessments (laughs) and see how you can turn into a program. You can play while you're learning. That's the part that also is hard to get past. They don't have to stop playing. 
<laughs> because we're using it as a form of reinforcement. Put it into your learning experience and they'll never want to stop. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and this the same thing goes for, for learning to read or learning to do math or anything like that, where like contacting something that's reinforcing in doing creates that that pivot that that change that chain that makes the individual want to keep on contacting um for me because i struggle with reading like a lot i didn't really truly break the code until i was probably 11 or 12 years old um before that i just really really struggled and the and the the moment that that caught me was first i have to thank my parents they did a wonderful job using audiobooks and this is back before digital audiobooks when you had to buy tapes tape cassettes and that sort of thing so it was not an easy thing to do um, but we would do a lot of listening to books on from going from point a to point b and so the the point came when i finally broke the code was when I wanted to read this book. We didn't have the audio book for it. I tried to get my older brother to read it for me. He read for a little bit, then he got impatient. He threw the book at me and said, you do it stupid. <laughs> and, and I was like, I'm not stupid. <laughs> and I picked up the book and it, it, it was hard, but I wanted to know what was gonna happen next. I needed to know what was gonna happen next. Mm -hmm. And so I pushed through and by the end of that book, and it, it was a chapter book, it wasn't that big, but by the end, I was like, that was super satisfying. What else can I read? <laughs> <laughs> and, and nice. uh, it, you know, I remember my little sister getting into Harry Potter and, and then, you know, she's younger than me by, I think, four years. And, and then I was just like, what is this? And I read the first one and I was like, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. So, you know, we were reading Harry Potter together. And, and if the library didn't have more than one copy, we'd have to steal it from each other to read it. And <laughs> <laughs> I was super stoked to, to come home. I, um, so the Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix was released in England about a month before it was released in the US. Oh. And it happened that I was living in, I lived in England for about a couple of years and I was able to pick it up at, oh, wow. at the airport <laughs> and um, I brought it back and I, on the flight back I was reading it I got most of it done uh, <laughs> and then I walk up to my little sister and hand it to her and she's like so excited because she gets to read uh -huh. it before everybody else does <laughs> it's just like it's just that chain of behavior and finding the access the, finding the thing that's reinforcing you know some people fantasy when it comes to reading or science fiction or whatever, that's reinforcing. Other people I know, that's punishing. Right, but you, right. But you know what's really reinforcing? Ripley's Believe It or Not. <laughs> yeah. So what if it's not a chapter book? <laughs> right. I, I, that reminds me of a client I had where he absolutely loved everything Minecraft. A lot of these kids love it, but this kid really loved Minecraft and nothing worked when we worked with him. So I thought, why not make every every program we work with him minecraft themed why can't it just be everything um and it was really helpful for him I, he didn't get satiated which i'm sure immediately someone was like thinking about that but it was extremely helpful in getting him to that point where we could eventually do different things and have different interests but 
yeah, it's, it doesn't have to be what everybody else thinks is typical. It doesn't have to be exactly like you expect it to look like in, you know, a a normal setting, learning setting. All all I got to say to that is if you think Minecraft and the love of Minecraft is not typical, then you haven't been to a scholastic book fair. (laughs) (laughs) Take that. Take that rigidity and shove it somewhere, please. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's nothing wrong with special interests. Right. I don't understand why we're so stuck on this idea. If you don't think that people are allowed to have special interests, you obviously haven't met the adults who are obsessed with everything sports. (laughs) Or um, Batman. Or Batman. <laughs> oh, you held up a little Batman figure. I have it. so much Batman. It's not even funny. It's not funny how much uh, I love Batman. It's well, a whole other thing. I might, I might have to talk to my friend Chad and see if, if I can get you guys connected. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like I said, yeah. he, wor- he worked on he worked on some uh, uh, DC comics, including oh. Harley Quinn. So, yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, I, I, my ear immediately perked when I heard that. That's too awesome. I'm a big DC person, so. Well, yeah. So, but the key there is is using that in that individual's interests. And you know what? If it's Thomas the Tank, fine. How can you get them to to use Thomas the Tank towards accessing new reinforcers? Like, there's nothing wrong with having an interest. You know what? It's not age appropriate. You know what? <laughs> I've met adults <laughs> with many children. And who work jobs as professionals who are, in my opinion, unhealthily obsessed with sports. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. how is that? Like, of course, it's just my opinion. Like, they can do what they want. Like, <laughs> I, I like to jokingly say I'm a spectator sport agnostic. Spectator sports may or may not just exist. I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but all joking aside, like, there's what's wrong with that? We're not doing behavior interventions for somebody who, in, who enjoys, uh, you know, San Francisco Giants or, you know, the now Las Vegas Raiders, I guess, uh, the UC Oakland. <laughs> See, right. I, I, I may not be a spectator sports follower, but I am aware of it. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but the point is, is like, Let's dive in on that and let's use the love of, of artistic and beautiful things, engaging, interesting things to create. And, and if you don't think that Minecraft is art, then you obviously haven't seen some of the amazing things that people have created in Minecraft. Like, if you get a chance, go look at some of the stuff that people have created out there. There was even somebody who, using Minecraft, created a working computer within a computer. Wow. And, and then, of course, like some of the mansions and, and amazing pieces of work that people have done, it's just mind-blowing. And right. like, I think art is, is one of the most amazing things that humanity has come up with. I'm a little biased. <laughs> Being human, <laughs> all you aliens out there, if you're scoffing, sorry. <laughs> but like let's be creative. Let's figure out a way to help people engage. And, and you know what, I'm going to equip you with something. If you got a kid out there who absolutely loves everything and anything to do with video games, uh, look up game lit. It's, it's, uh, literature, uh, a subgenre of that is lit RPGs, 
um, or cultivation fiction. I've actually featured an, uh, an author on the Act Natural podcast, two authors actually, um, and their book that actually teaches act skills using uh, a, a, a cultivation fiction. Um, first off, I love the series Arturian's Archives so much because it's a non-traditional character. Um, it's a it's an, a man who's at the end of his life, an old, old man who's the protagonist. So there's that. But it's also super nerdy and geeky and also high fantasy fun and, and stuff like that. Um, but but the point being that like humans are so creative, we come up with all sorts of things. Use it. Right. Um, engage the people around uh, the, the world around you. And if. So what if they turn into a 45-year-old who still is, is loving all things Minecraft? Or watches anime. Or watches anime, which I do. Collects <laughs> Batman. By the way, speaking of anime, um, Isekai is a, uh, is a Japanese version of lit RPGs. No way. So Sword Art Online up. is one example oh, nice. of, so it's basically the idea is the protagonist or protagonists are somehow going into a world where it's game like characteristics so it's a lot of fun um but yeah anime is a perfect example and anime is also a beautiful example because you have anime ranging from um sci-fi fantasy all the way over to drama and comedy and, and everything right. in between like it's it's a beautiful art form and also it's it's a wonderful exposure to another culture if you're if you're um, a westerner in culture I, I love experiencing and learning a little bit about japanese culture from My, that. me too definitely and anybody who says avatar the last airbender is not anime i will fight you <laughs> <laughs> i will fight you <laughs> it's anime or, or naruto my husband's about naruto which was pretty mainstream, but it's probably one of the best animes of all time. Honestly, the messages, everything about the anime, the messages and the the lessons you can learn in those and the empathy building just mm -hmm. from watching. It's just, it's phenomenal, a phenomenal way to, to so many things. And if you're not in anime, but you're into Western animation, um, Steven Universe, is wonderful for teaching empathy skills and actually um, incredibly musical too. And uh, uh, Stephen Hayes actually references it in, in his latest, um, uh, he, he references it in uh, A Liberated Mind. There's actually um, a song that I think Sarah Sugar is the creator um, wrote and it took in some inspiration from some act stuff. Uh, and following the character Steven through his development all the way through to the, they, they did a mini, a, a last season after they did a movie. Um, and just seeing the development of that character and the growth and how the problems could be solved without resorting to what traditional animation goes towards, but it's also exciting and interesting um, likewise, another series that I really like uh, is um, Adventure Time. That was a little bit more silly. Mm -hmm. That but, one's great. <laughs> but it also teaches really good skills. And it's a lot of fun and silly and goofy. And um, 
it took me a while to get used to the art style, but now I love it. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but there's, there's so many wonderful things that we get from art. And, and I, I, I can't imagine where our field would be without it. Um, and, and just to kind of bring a little full circle, you were talking about art creation and, and towards dissemination. Um, I'm sure you everybody's seen all the fun shirts and designs. I've got a few out there myself. Um, my personal favorite is BF Skinnerd, Free Bird. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> kind of making making a little Leonard Skinner joke there. Um, like <laughs> but like ABA study notes, uh, they have a coloring book. Um, Rogue ABA utilizes beautiful graphics towards learning and teaching and those sorts of things. So, um, and that's just to name a few. I know there's more out there. Um, there's quite a few creators on Instagram. Um, check it out. Right. Look around. Figure out ways. Explore. Um, mimic, I guess. And uh, go out and get Canvas ABA when it comes <laughs> out because... I'm super excited uh, or go to the website right now and download the starter kit because it's free. Well, um, do you have any other thoughts or things you want to share about Natasha? Um, yeah, I, I have a children's book that's been out. Um, oh. I published it early. Gosh, I, I'm so busy all the time. I can't even keep track of my own projects. I, I think it was <laughs> early last year. <laughs> Um, and it goes through the kind of like the kind of careers that you can have as a behavior analyst. So okay. that's been out. It's called, I want to be a behavior analyst. Um, and I also have a, a study guide for grad students who are preparing for the exam. It is also a coloring book. I think I was, I love studying those ABA. I love those behavior ladies, <laughs> but I was the first coloring book to come out for um, oh, okay. the exam. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know um, that. yeah. So that, that is also out as well. So there, those are just um, a few of the things that I've been trying to utilize my own uh, creative skills to put ABA out there a little bit more as well. Um, they have nothing to do with like this curriculum or anything like that as a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I'm, I do what I can where I can and hopefully people like it. Um, it's, it's tough in, in our own field. We have a lot of scrutiny, <laughs> a lot of, yeah. a lot of um, criticism that I don't know is helpful. And I've had some harsh criticism of things like my coloring book or not my coloring book, sorry, my children's book because I forgot a comma. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> so things like that. Um, How dare you? <laughs> I can't believe you forgot a comma. I'm not buying this again. Uh, this uh, basic... <laughs> of all the things that you could do, Natasha, a comma. <laughs> oh, we're done. I'm not publishing this podcast. We're done. Yeah. Uh, so like that in <laughs> itself, I, I, I'm, I'm putting this stuff out there and that in itself is like, it can be discouraging for some people. And I just, I want to encourage them to not be afraid to put it out there in whatever form yeah. it may be. I mean, we can do what we can, uh, obviously, to uh, make sure that what we put out there is sound and really good and well-made, but we can't always satisfy everybody. There's always going to be something they'll pick on. Um, 
there's been yeah. more than one time that I put something out and I've looked it back at it and been like, ooh, all the grammars. But <laughs> <laughs> I've even had a few people get on my case about it. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, it happened. Let's move forward. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's the goal I have with the program too for kids is I want to help them build that acceptance of themselves and be be comfortable in, with who they are and being able to express themselves and maybe as a field, we'll get there too. <laughs> maybe as being yeah. analysts, we'll get more comfortable ourselves and um, more supportive. So yeah, th- those are things that are out right now. Awesome. Um, yeah. Well then head on out there. Uh, do, is there a website you sell them on or do you have it on Amazon? I do uh, alchemybx.com. I believe I have it linked to them there, but they can just go to Amazon as well and just look up uh, my name and they'll probably pop up some stuff. It might be a little hard because whenever you put my name in there, you'll pop up all my art. I have a lot of licensing like products out there in the world. So it's hard to sift through the two, um, but they should be able to find it on Amazon. Okay. Oh, and here we go. I'm on Alchemy BX and seeing some of your fun stuff cool yeah all right well um any closing thoughts for our behavior analysts and behavior analysts and training parents people who are exploring and, and being curious anything that you wouldn't any any homework you would give them or rather home enjoyment perhaps hmm. that's a good question that's a tough one <laughs> i i guess just first and foremost really listen to your kids and allow them to be able to have the, that, that freedom to be who they are um, and whatever that might be and relax, like really, really (laughs) don't stress over um, how, how you're teaching your kids or how you're raising them um, as far as the technique, as far as the method be as creative as you can with that. I feel like it, it really is the key to it being successful and for your kids wanting to, to connect with you more and giving them the tools to help them connect. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm gonna give an assignment too. Uh, go, go, go create art. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't matter what it is, like create something and you don't have to put it out there. But if you do, good on you for being brave. Yeah. (laughs) Go create. Let's create. Let's do some wonderful things. And if we can do a TA on it, that's even better. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) But creation, creativity is key. So, um, well, thank you so much for joining us, Natasha. If somebody wanted to reach out to you, I'm guessing they can go to alchemybx.com um, and also mm-hmm. possibly canvasaba.com. Is there any any other way that you would want people to reach out to you or you sure. okay with them going through those websites? Oh, yeah. Um, if they, they can find me on Instagram, um, I'm the artist Natasha on Instagram. On Twitter, I'm Natasha BCBA. And if you go to YouTube, it's... I had an old name, so they'd have to find me under Westcoat. I'm going to spell it as okay. W-E-S-C-O-A-T, Natasha Westcoat. 
Um, and I have a channel on there for, you know, I check it every now and then. <laughs> All right. Well, um, the artist, Natasha. Okay, cool. Found you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come in and talk to us. Um, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap it up from here. Um, okay, there we go. W-E-S-C-A. Got it. West Coast. I'll save that so that way I can look you <laughs> up and, and, and link you in the show notes. Awesome. Um, folks, remember that uh, the Obehave and I, I guess Act Natural podcast uh, is a open source education material, which means that uh, you can use all or part towards continuing education. Just remember to cite your sources. Please consider supporting the podcast either through Patreon or many of the other ways, including you can support the podcast through um, the Anchor uh, landing page. There's different ways of doing that. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, Natasha, and thank you folks for joining us. And uh, oh, behave and act natural. <laughs>